0: Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at NorthMemorial.com family. Welcome to another edition of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined once again by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune. Hi, guys.
1: Andrew, how you doing? It's been a little while.
0: Customary wave. It has been. It has been way too long. We're still I doing didn't this. I anything. I just waved. Ben, <laughs> ben is here. You got it. Yeah, you got to let listeners know we're here yet. This is not yet on YouTube or anything like that. But Should we'll be. see if we eventually. Season four. Yeah. See if we eventually get it, some video component to go along with this, because uh, we'll be picking up back with the routine, doing a lot of podcasts as the Vikings report to training camp next week, uh, end of July here, and we will begin the at least the weekly routine. Heading into our twice a week sessions uh, podcast in the regular season, uh, that that doesn't kick off till September twelfth. So there's a lot of questions to be answered for the Minnesota Vikings before then, and they'll start off with training camp here. And we'll start off by discussing some of the main storylines that face this team and what maybe the expectations should be. Who the most important Vikings are? We each, I think, have our own list of who these top five most important Vikings are going to be for 2021. We'll discuss some Aaron Rodgers drama. You might have heard mm-hmm. You might have heard about that. He may be one of the most important Vikings for 2021. <laughs> he is. <Honestly>. He is. <laughs> guys, let's start with kind of where we left off. We broke the Vikings offseason program by discussing how they kind of ended it with a bang, uh, bringing back Daniel Hunter, bringing back Sheldon Richardson, um, really returning this defensive line to a front that's to be feared, which it certainly was not in 2020. And that's if all those guys are healthy. We'll get to that in a little bit, too. Um, there's a lot of reasons for optimism. You could tell, I think, many can at least from what I'd heard, people were a lot more energetic than they were during OTAs when these big questions were hanging overhead of, hey, Jeff Gladney's not here, Daniel Hunter's not here. What's this defense really going to look like? And when you bring back two bona fide defensive linemen the way they did in Hunter and Richardson, I think it changes things. But there's still a lot of questions specifically about that secondary and the aforementioned Jeff Gladney. Uh, but Ben, where do you start when you, we're getting into camp here and practices and you're looking at this secondary, you're seeing Patrick Peterson, Xavier Woods, all these new pieces kind of come to form. And really the first time this group that might start in week one, they won't be taking snaps together until camp because guys like Bashad Breeland, Cameron Dantzler, they weren't playing this spring. So there's going to be a lot to watch with that group once we get into uh, training camp next week.
2: I mean, there's a lot of ways you can cut that with that group. It, you can look at the fact that the way they may line up, and I say may because I think there's a lot of ways this could play out yet, but the way they might line up September 12th could be with five players, counting Mackenzie Alexander if he's the nickel, on one-year deals because Harrison Smith is not signed yet as as of the recording of this podcast – Uh, It could be five players that are essentially all older than what they – I mean, the the youngest player in that group is a fifth-year player, Xavier Woods. And it's possible that Harrison Smith is the only holdover from last year. So as I look at that group, it's a fairly strong repudiation – by Mike Zimmer and company of what Mike Zimmer and company did last year and possibly a repudiation of the players that they brought in saying, we don't think that you're ready to be trusted, or at the very least you're going to have to show us that you can be trusted. You're not getting the benefit of the doubt. So it's interesting in that sense, but there's also a lot of gambles there. I mean, you're not looking at anybody of the guys they added that I would say, and Breland honestly may be, the most reliable performer in the last couple of years in terms of what you expect you can get out of him in 2021. Patrick Peterson certainly is the most decorated, but has not been a terribly good cover corner the last two years. So there's a lot with that group, I think, to watch. I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see how that goes to see how Carl Scott, their new DB coach from the university of Alabama, maybe adds some wrinkles to it. Uh, how Mike Zimmer feels about things, considering that's sort of his pride and joy, um, and just how it, what form it takes. I, I think that is the big story of camp, and probably of the preseason as well. Hey, Mike, if if they're facing Jared Goff
0: and and Andy Dalton and Jordan Love, I mean, no no, <laughs> no sweat, right?
1: No sweat. You didn't mention Aaron Rodgers, which is funny. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, he's my favorite subject. and Ben joked, but it's he's. He's, he's the single most important player in this whole division for any team right now. What happens with him when the Packers open camp next week as well? I kind of like that all the teams open camp at the same time now, by the way, except for the few that play a little earlier. Is that how it goes? The, is it the hall of fame game teams that get to open a little earlier?
2: Yeah, I think so. And then it's, um, like, it, it's uh midnight madness for the rest of us. <laughs> basically. Yeah. But yeah, you wait.
1: Uh, but the, the secondary, I mean, the secondary and the offensive line are probably going to be the two biggest things to, to watch in, you know, just seeing how those things come together, how different they might look, a lot of different pieces in each case, um, you know, one on each side of the ball, one entire unit. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, those are the two things that kind of sunk them last season. And you can kind of see when it, whenever a team has such an overcorrection, like the Vikings had, this offseason with with the way they overhauled the secondary that that gives you a pretty good window into how they felt about last year's group and it was it's pretty clear that they they knew by the end that their plan in the secondary in particular was not a good one and that it just didn't it didn't work out and I, I felt that way going in and it, it kind of played out that way.
0: Yeah, we've talked a lot this offseason about how they basically aborted the plan of, hey, let's just draft and develop new guys. It'll be fine. And they bring in Alexander Patrick Peterson. They brought in both of those guys before Jeff Gladney was turned himself into a police in April on on allegations of uh, felony, felonious domestic violence. And so now he is going to be facing a grand jury date here on July 29th in Dallas County, Texas. That's going to decide whether or not prosecutors carry forward official charges which would be felony charges based on the allegation. And so, yeah, you can't bank on him. And and frankly, they had already tried to get him not necessarily out of the plans, but not have to rely on him before this even happened in terms of bringing back Alexander, who's a bona fide starter for them in the slot where Gladney played so much of last season. And so there's a big question hanging over there that increases Alexander's importance to this team in 2021. But really, it's got to start with Patrick Peterson. Ben, you had mentioned This guy was not the same corner in the last two years in Arizona. It was downright bad at at points for him at the end of his Cardinals tenure. He was a three-time All-Pro, but not since 2015. And so the big bet that the Vikings that Mike Zimmer is making and that Patrick Peterson is making on both of them combined is that they can help each other rebound in 2021. That's got to be one of the biggest and most important relationships. So we saw it during OTAs in this spring. We saw Mike Zimmer working with Patrick Peterson one-on-one, spending some real time with a guy that in an 11th year veteran, Mike Zimmer's like that with everybody. But it's really interesting to see him do that with a guy who's already so proven in this league of Mike Zimmer saying, no, look, this is how we're going to do things here. It might be a little different. And this is how we're going to try and extend your career, a la Terrence Newman or some of the other veterans that Mike Zimmer has worked with. Coach Sanders. Coach Sanders, thank you. Yes, don't call him Dion. Don't call him Dion. <laughs> you wouldn't call Nick Saban, Nick. Back to Peterson. That's where it's got to start, right, Ben? Because if, if they want to truly remake this cornerback group the way that they think they, the way that it was in 2017, the way that it was when you had a shutdown corner in Xavier Rhodes, it's got to start with the guy you just paid $8 million to come in for one year to not only lead your young guys, but be that top number one presence that they haven't had for a few years. Yeah,
2: I mean, that's that's the gamble. That's the bet, I think. Uh, they would probably say it's not a gamble. They would probably say it's an educated guess that it'll work. Uh, and I, I think there's reason to try it. I mean, certainly, you they were in a tough spot because that is not a cheap position to solve. It's not a position you're probably going to solve with rookies, as they showed last year. I mean, sure, you could go draft another one and hope you're right, but it's a tough job and that's a tough spot to play as a rookie whether or not you have a full offseason and you had to try to do something so I think they saw it as given what Patrick Peterson is when he is at the top of his game let's bet that there's a year of that left in here and if we have the right structure in place we can get that out of him I mean I, I think Given the cap constraints, given the things that they needed, it's a it's a reasonable attempt at a solution. I do think it's not the the it's not automatic. I mean, they're they're kind of talking about it as okay, Pat we're getting Patrick Peterson. Well, are you? I mean that that, that I think is going to be one of the big questions of 2021. Are you getting Patrick Peterson? or are you getting the Patrick Peterson we've seen the last two years? How much of that is him playing in this system versus some of the other ones? I mean, that that could very well be, if not the biggest question in 2021. It's part of, I think, what is the biggest question with this team is the secondary. And, and he's a pretty central piece of that. So, yeah, what you get out of him and what he brings to the table is a very, very big part of how this thing goes in my mind. Yeah, we talked so much, too, about the quarterbacks they're going to be
0: facing this year and how important the secondary is going to be, just depending on the matchups. But really, it's also the wide receivers. You get Jamar Chase right out of the gate. You get um, DeAndre Hopkins, too, when they go to Arizona. In the division, it's still Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson. DK Metcalf in your home opener. Yeah, DK Metcalf as well. That's right in September. So there's really no shortage of talented wide receivers that are going to be lining up across from this Viking secondary that's trying to turn things around from what was such a dismal 2020. Um, also right now, hanging over the Vikings heads was a calf injury to nose tackle Michael Pierce, the prized 2020 free agent edition. It's been now how many months, 17, 17 months or 16 months since he signed still hasn't put on pads for this team. The first pad of practice for the Vikings is scheduled to be August 2nd. We still don't know if that's when Mike Pierce is going to put on pads and actually practice with the team for the first time in a full session with them? Because Ben, what happened?
2: Well, uh, he injured his calf and I, I did not use the word tweak because that is a, that's a Mike Zimmer term. And uh, everybody, everybody asked me on Twitter, like, Oh, are you talking to Zimmer? Like, no, no, that, that, that was not my, not my source on this one. Um, Yeah. Injured his calf working out, this offseason, And the expectation as I understand it is that he could miss up to the first two weeks of training camp. Now he, he did it after mini camp. It wasn't in the Vikings building that he did it, but it's enough that it could keep him out for a little bit. So maybe that's not a big deal. Um, maybe it'll be fine, but it is one of those things that when you've been waiting to see this guy and you are banking your defensive line improvement plan largely on a better approach to the run, it, it's a concern. I mean, I guess if, if worse comes to worse, you say, okay, Dalvin Tomlinson, you go back to the nose, Sheldon Richardson, you're a three technique, and, and we're probably still able to roll until Michael Pierce gets healthy, but Yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily the best omen to start training camp with. And if it's a minor, if it's a mild thing, like it was told to me, then it'll be fine. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things that given, uh, what happened last year, it probably has people a little concerned.
1: A calf is different than a neck. So I'm not going to get as worried about it as Daniel Hunter last year. Daniel Hunter was the neck, right? And I'm not making that up.
2: Yeah. That was the next tweak. Yes. It was the next tweak.
1: Yeah. Um, I do, I, my, my attention gets grabbed when there's reportedly minor injuries. You know, he's a big guy. A calf injury is the kind of thing that you don't want it to linger. You, that's a kind of an, you know, kind of an explosive off the ball kind of injury. You don't want to be playing at 80% on a calf. You don't want to, you want it to be a hundred percent healed and, you know, and maybe, that really is all it takes. Is a couple of weeks. Um, I will say I have October 31st, um, Halloween, scheduled as Michael Pierce's debut. That's after the bye week. That's six games <laughs> into the season. Um, I don't but want to be overly. On no- pop? What's that? Does he start on pop? Well, that'd be six games, and then you get yeah. the bye. So yeah. uh, that's my uh, that's my projection. Is uh, the okay, Halloween um, night uh, home game against Dallas, 7:20 p.m.
0: So Mike, so we go back home the next week against the Ravens. There you go. My, Mike, Mike ran's crystal ball says that this injury is going to cause him to miss three months, basically.
1: Yeah. Not, uh, not two weeks of camp three months from now. You'll oh. see. Mike <laughs> oh, wow.
0: um, I'm ready. To, I'm
1: fully ready to be wrong about that, by the
0: yeah, way. Yeah. Please subject to change. Um, I, I do think the, there's one thing to point out with Pierce and it's the obvious, right? It's the fact that this guy hasn't played football. Everybody talks about football shape. We heard Daniel Hunter talk about it. The guy was built like Adonis and basically said, look, it's going to take some time. I'm going to take it easy getting back into training camp, getting back into the full swing of things, because it's different to be in a gym and be a workout warrior and all this stuff and do the squats, deadlifts. It's wholly different to get out on the field and do 60, 70 you know, reps over and over and over to get into game shape and how they need to do this thing. Even those kind of players get dog tired in training camp. And Michael Pierce is a guy who has had weight issues in the past. And this is a guy who has said that he spent this time away to get himself into the best shape, get a nutritionist. Uh, Andre Patterson, the Vikings defensive line guy, said he he stayed in close contact with him. His top advice was get a nutritionist, stay in shape. And so the concern would be that with a calf injury, what's his condition going to be like when he comes back from it? And then how long is that going to set back his kind of process of getting into football shape. Are they going to hold him out of preseason games now because it's just not worth that risk with this kind of injury? And then then he's kind of still working his way back into the regular seasons. Um so moving forward though with this Vikings defense, they're getting Anthony Barr back as well. Really health is the big thing that's hanging over them at this point and just trying to get all these pieces on the same page. I'm fascinated, Ben, to see what do we eventually see through these six weeks in terms of their defensive scheme or what they try out. What kind of falls to the wayside um, because we saw a lot of different stuff. And we talked about this previously on the podcast when you were talking with Andre Patterson about just how do you kind of take apart your defense that you've run for 20 years and figure out, Hey, as Mike Zimmer said, we need to make this less complicated. We need these guys in coverage specifically where they have a bunch of new players. We need them thinking a little bit less and all that's going to kind of coalesce and come together here in training camp as well. So I'm curious to see just how different or how aggressive they are to implement some of these actual changes on defense that they continually talk about. Um, because we did see, we've seen this coverage, whether it was by Sean McVay, we've seen this defense scheme depart and then we see these players not be able to really handle it in terms of young or new corners. And that's not necessarily getting any different this year. They've still got new corners that need to learn this scheme and figure out what they're doing. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, all right, guys. Offensively, what are you looking for, Ben? What what what's going to be the thing that you're trying to get out of training camp, or that you want to ask coaches about in terms of what they're trying to get out of seeing this offense uh, with a new offensive line? Really, two, three, three new positions in terms of guys moving around
2: on the offense. That's line. it. I mean, to me, that's the key: the offensive line, because they again <laughs> invested in it in terms of Christian Derisaw and Wyatt Davis. Two of the top four picks on the line, and, and that's been a pretty consistent investment over the last couple of years. Where it's been, I think now four straight years of day one or day two picks on the line after basically almost a decade of not doing that. I think since it's five Lowell, five straight years, I think. Matt, Matt I think it's five straight years. Yeah. Uh, O'Neill, Bradbury, Cleveland, Darisaw. I think it's Elfline. That wasn't well. Okay, round one or round two?
1: So I uh, say so okay
2: um but at any rate it's it's been a more consistent investment and i think the question of whether it's going to work <laughs> is a big one uh because there's been a little bit of chatter that maybe these guys aren't quite where they wanted them in OTA's mini camp it's hard to say i mean i think some of that is it's hard to figure out exactly if that's going to be the case in training camp once pads go on. And but I you know, a lot of how much the pass rush was backed off by design in terms of what the NFL allowed and the NFLPA allowed in this year's offseason workouts. If you're not dealing with a full speed pass rush in the spring, and there's already a little bit of worry there's going to be a lot for guys like Dara saw and Wyatt Davis to prove this summer to show that they're ready for the season. And, and if, if that isn't better, I think it automatically puts a ceiling on how much better this offense can be. We can talk about new coordinator. We could talk about how Kirk cousins analytics would show is really better than you think, which is a, is the game we like to play with Vikings quarterbacks a lot, isn't it? It feels like uh, the, the guy coming back to town for joint practices in, if, in a month or so was the subject of that game a lot too of why Teddy Bridgewater is actually a lot better than you think um and I'm not I'm not in the cousins hater camp at all I I think he's he's been a, a very good quarterback but you might need him to be a great quarterback and I think your only chance of that happening is if your line is a lot better and if that doesn't happen I think it puts a ceiling on how good you can be especially when you are banking on Dalvin cook to be the, the workhorse for a second straight year. And that is a tough thing to ask somebody to hold up to Mike. What's your offensive line confidence meter at right now?
1: It's not good. The only thing I can say about it is uh, Ben makes a good point. They have invested in it. If they're not loving where the rookies are right now, I mean the game <laughs> week one counts the same more or less as week 17. So even if they're thinking that these guys will get better as the year goes along, Week 18 yeah, week, now, Mike. So I, yeah, week 18. My bad. I'm, it's going to take me forever to get used to 17 games. I don't like it. You don't
2: need to get used to it that long. Week 19 is just right. Yeah,
1: that's true. Well, will probably be 20 weeks at that point. I bet there'll be two bye weeks at that point, probably. too. Yep. So stretch it out longer, longer, longer. More TV weeks, more revenue. Let's President's do it. President's Day
2: weekend Super Bowl, I think, is the holy grail. What's that? I think the President's Day weekend Super Bowl is the is what they're ultimately after.
1: Leading right into the combine right after that. Mm-hmm. Never take a, hmm? When are you guys going to take vacation at that point anyway? Um I here's the thing. I the, the only good thing is Ben re- refresh my oh, no, memory. I was, look, you know. I was looking it up, but you're you're uh you're just as good as uh over the cap. What's the what's the Vikings cap situation right now?
2: In terms of this year or in terms yeah, of how much how much forward?
1: space do they have right now? Because I feel like it's more than I think it is. Like it's like 14
2: million dollars. Um now some of that the, the caveat here is it's $14 million when they're in the top 51 Mm -hmm. and you have, you have to have a little bit more space heading into the season. I don't know the number exactly off the top of my head, but when you're, when you're counting guys that go on injured reserve against the cap, you do need a little bit more space than you do in the off season, but it's not like some of the years where they are that tight against it there. I, I, they'll be fine there, but uh, it, it, it won't be 14 million in the regular season, but it'll be, enough that they'll they'll be okay
1: but but my Um, point is basically they have the money i would think not to add like a 10 million dollar player but when there's cut downs and if they're saying we don't want to be caught holding the bag like we were in 2020 with our secondary we have a chance to fix fix a problem now versus try to fix it in 2022 and and kind of shore things up with you know, maybe some mid-tier surprise cut, you know, five million dollar player. I think that would be something they could afford, probably, right? And that might, that might make a difference in my confidence meter. If you had one other kind of plug and play, you know, mid-career veteran that you were like, okay, this guy's not great, but he's good. Um and that that might give the rookies a little bit more of a it might make me feel a little bit better about, you know, whether it's a guard tackle, whatever it is, might make me feel a little bit better about that.
0: Yeah, Mike, are you, so you're just talking about just adding a free agent on the O line. I mean, who who would that be? I was there's, there's talking about
1: like cut down. You know, something's going to happen on oh, cut down sure, day. You know, sure. teams are going to, there's going to be surprise cuts. There's going to be things that happen. Like whoever that might be, you know, we don't know who that is yet. But you, ever, you know, every year there's somebody that seems like they emerge and you're like, oh, that guy's available now. Oh, maybe that's a, maybe that's an option.
2: And they have had some luck doing that in the past. I mean, uh, Jim Marcus Webb, not so much, but. Jeremiah Searles was a cut-down day trade. Uh, Mike Harris was a cut-down day pickup. I, I can't remember if both those guys were trades. They both came from the Chargers. But both of those guys came in right in that roster cut-down window. And were they 10-year starters? No. But they both had moments where they were contributors and they, they were able to stay around in Minnesota for a couple of years apiece, so I mean that's probably the the type of move you're looking at there. But they've had some success finding that type of guy. So if, if you find something like that, yeah, I think it's certainly something they'd be in the market for. I, I think certainly as a guard, I think they could use it. Well,
0: Ben, what do they do with that calf space if it's because if it's a, a kind of a cast off from roster cuts, it's probably not going to cost you too much, but if you've got money to spend, I know a lot of fans ask about, we've got some questions that we can get to on the Twitter um, feed, but there's questions about obviously a lot of wide receiver three talk, more defensive line depth, offensive line depth. They got 14 million is the focus on carrying over as much as they can into next year. Cause there's certainly never a, a shortage of cap problems. Or does it come down to, hey, they've got maybe Larry Fitzgerald, maybe Golden Tate, or one of these free agent wide receivers that could come in and help them on a third down?
2: Yeah, I mean, they certainly could use something there. I, I think the, the the chatter a little bit has been Amir Smith-Marset, the, the kid from Iowa, has looked awfully good. We saw some of that, I think, in in OTAs and minicamp. Now, is he going to be the guy? I It's a little hard to say that at this point, but – yeah, if, there, if there's a guy out there that you can add cheaply, um, I think it's it's something to look at. It, 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 the Fitzgerald thing is interesting to me, and I, I'm just kind of reading tea leaves a little bit here, but I, I had a conversation with, with Adam Thielen actually today, and he talked a little bit about how he had just seen Larry Fitzgerald yesterday, and he talked about his career, and maybe this was just his choice of words. Maybe I'm reading way too much into this, but he talked about his career in the past tense. So talked about what he did and what he was and um so take that for what it's worth. But I it it was one of those things as he was talking about it. It was kind of like, okay, um, that's that's a little bit interesting. Um you know, maybe maybe it's just a choice of words, but at any rate, I, I think people are interested in that, a because they feel like it could help, and B, so he's a local kid and um I shouldn't say kid, he's like the same age as me. But, uh, and I'm certainly not a kid anymore. But, uh, yeah, I, I think a guy like that, if you can find a reliable Jarius yeah. Wright type, it's not Jarius Wright probably, but just that guy that third and eight, we need a first down, we need somebody that can get open, find a hole in zone coverage. I, I think that's useful. I, I still think there's room to do all that stuff, though. The 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 big question that you bring up there with the cap is, the rollover stuff because they pushed a lot of expenses into next year, whether it was Adam Thielen's restructure, Anthony Barr with dead uh, with void years, um, Delvin Tomlinson, it's uh, the void years a little more down the road, but Kyle Rudolph has money next year. There's, they, they pushed enough money into 2022 that they're not going to be up against the cap completely, but, they're going to have some moves they have to make before next year to get that figured out, and, and they will. I mean, Neil Hunter probably either has a new deal or is gone. Um, Adam Thielen, I think that's probably going to be in line for being reworked. And the big one certainly is Kirk Cousins, uh, yeah. that $45 million cap figure. We have talked about it a lot, that that thing is a blinking red light. So, I mean, there, there are going to be moves to make. But, yeah, it wouldn't hurt them to be able to roll $5 million over. I'm sure they wouldn't mind that at all.
0: Yeah, the, the thing that sticks in my mind when it comes to just them having to rearrange furniture per se to make everything fit in the house is how do you fit this gigantic rhinoceros that is a $45 million cap hit for Kirk Cousins. I mean, for any quarterback, that's insane to to try to fit in a sport where the cap is hovering around $200 million. You were basically saying to, almost 25% of our cap is going to be allocated to, to one guy on a, on a 50, 60-man
2: team. And yes, uh. we know the new TV deals are coming. Don't add us. We <laughs> don't think it's going to spike with all of that money hitting next year. Because to remind everybody, they already borrowed money from the future to make it so that the captain drop even more this year. So yeah. Yeah. some of the payback for this is going to be smaller increases over the next couple of years.
1: But if you don't win in 2021, it might not be your problem in
0: 2022.
2: Correct there are a lot of moves that I feel like have been made with that kind of thinking in mind.
0: With that said, guys, let's get to our most important Vikings in 2021. I had given you guys all of the heads up of 45 minutes to come up with your list. So I'm sorry. I should have given you a little more time with that. But I assume our lists are going to be somewhat different because there are just so many guys that you could pinpoint and say if they lose him or him or him, it could really be a big issue for this team because this is kind of a top heavy roster. It's kind of a stars and scrubs kind of roster. We sound like the champion of the middle class for the NFL. Every time we keep saying, boy, they just need a Jerry. Wright."
2: Boy, they just need a Joe Berger.
0: They don't have those guys.
2: Joe Berger. I was just thinking about him. when We were talking about this (laughs) offensive line thing. That's, that's one of those pickups that when he went away, it's like, yeah, you forget about him, but it's like, How many times have we said, man, if they had a guy like Joe Berger that would help them a lot?
0: Yeah. And it's these guys that command these veterans that have a high ceiling floor in terms of their minimum salaries that have to command a few million. And the Vikings just don't throw those around a ton or don't keep those guys around because they've had to fit these gigantic contracts onto their books. And so with that said, Mike, I want to start with you. You could go five, four, three, two, one. List me off right now. Number five. Who was your fifth most important Vikings player for 2021?
1: Okay, so I have to read these in reverse order then. Um,
0: Five. uh,
1: Five is not a specific player. It is Kicker X. (laughs) Uh, Kicker X, we don't know who that is yet. Um, But you got to be sound in the kicking game, as they say. And uh, Vikings were not last year. Um, I've chronicled, and you guys have as well how much special teams cost them last year. It wasn't just kicking, but man, their, their coverage was bad. They gave up a ton of yards in the punting game. They didn't make field goals. They didn't make extra points. Teams make field goals at a really high rate against them. That's not really a, that's not really a fault of their own. That's just kind of bad luck more or less, but like they gave away a lot of yards and a lot of points in the kicking game last year. And now they are going to be asking somebody. We don't know who yet to fix that and make that better and we shouldn't overlook that as something that could kind of, you know, make this season sail or fail.
2: Yeah, because we would never overlook that. We, no. <laughs> we we should mention the Vikings long enough. We would never overlook that. And the
0: current competition is between Greg Joseph, who's a fourth year journeyman, um, most recently kicked with the Titans in terms of actually appearing in a game in 2019. And then it's the undrafted rookie Riley Patterson, who had missed much of the spring. For undisclosed reasons. So we're not going to get our first look at Patterson, who's still on the roster really until training camp. And then hey, they could abort all those options and then go back to Dan Bailey for all we know, because Dan <laughs> Bailey is still a free agent. So there are there are still other options out there. But Mike, give me your number four.
1: Okay. Number four. I'm a number four. I'm going to read the next four kind of uh, kind of in order quickly instead of delving into them because I'm sure you sure. guys will get some of these names too. Number four, Daniil Hunter. Number three, Kirk Cousins. Number two, Dalvin Cook. Number one, Patrick Peterson.
0: Wow. Patrick P. Number one mm. is a surprise to me.
1: I, yeah, I just, the, the reason we can talk about those other guys too. The reason I put him up there is that I looked for two things on this list. One was kind of, you know, what's the drop off from starter to backup? Um, and we saw the drop off from Daniil Hunter to, you know, backups last year when he was hurt. That's a big drop off. I mean, he's a, the premier defensive end is he's if he's hurt their pass rush takes a huge hit um Kirk cousins same thing feel like however you feel about Kirk cousins the backup right now is kellen mond he's an unproven third round pick that's that's not it's a pretty big drop off until proven otherwise dalvin cook proved last year showed me how much there is a drop off between him and alexander madison even, even though madison is good you saw the drop off there peterson was more of a question of ceiling versus floor. And that was another thing I looked at. Like if he is, you know, kind of back to, if they kind of unlock whatever it was that, you know, he had going, you know, two, three years ago in his career where he was, you know, one of the premier corners and he's being paid kind of like that. Um, you know, certainly not, you know, huge, huge money and certainly not in term, but, you know the difference between a really good Patrick Peterson and a meh, kind of below average or mediocre Patrick Peterson is pretty big deal in this secondary. If he's all of a sudden a shutdown guy again, that changes the dynamic of this secondary
0: completely. Also, sneaky upset. Mike did not have an offensive lineman on his list.
1: Offensive line is the position uh, group that I would <laughs> put on there. There's not one guy that I would put on that list.
0: I am I am somewhat surprised Sorry, Mike, you did. Gotcha. I'm surprised you didn't go with number five, Brian O'Neill. number four, Garrett Bradbury, number three, and just name them all. That's the a good right one. I could have done be that. That been good. That'd been good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right guard X because we don't right know. Guard <laughs> um, <laughs> right guard X. All right, Ben, go ahead. Who's who's your number five?
2: I am going to correct the error of Mike Rand's ways right away and start with an offensive lineman. <laughs> I'm going to say Christian Derrissaw, number five. Okay. Because I That's think – if he is not the left tackle, it does two things. It puts them in a world of hurt on the blind side. I mean, Rashad Hill has been a serviceable swing tackle and is a solid pro, has had a really nice career here. But there is a ceiling with him on the left side, and teams will attack that. I mean, that, that will be a focus of defensive coordinator's game plan if he's the guy, saying let's try to go exploit that and, and try to exploit the fact that Cousins – doesn't play off schedule as we've we've had the conversation about Kirk playing off schedule a lot. But I think if saw is not ready to be the guy, it puts them in trouble. And it also, again, raises the question of how much are they getting it right to use another old Vikings watchword? Um with those picks on the offensive line. It's you can't judge these things always in year one, but the way they talked about him, the way they made the pick made, made you think they want him to be the starter. So I think him being able to get the job done is an important part of it. Uh, the rest of my list looks quite a bit like uh, Mike's. I would go number four. I'm going to say Patrick Peterson, number four. I think he's important. I I think they have, whether it's Dara saw and no, I'm sorry, <laughs> Dara saw um, camera dance, like too many CDs. Um, Cameron Dantzler in year two, if you get a little bit more from some of these younger guys, they might be able to fill in a little bit of that. I think Rashad Breland is going to help them out as well. So I'm going to go Peterson number four. I'm going to say uh, Dalvin Cook number three. And I agree with you that we've, this idea that they can survive in the same way without Dalvin Cook, we've kind of proven that that's not true. I think that's been shown that they are a different team when he's not on the field and, and people play them differently when he's not on the field. So I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook, number three. I'm going to say Daniil Hunter, number two, because their pass rush was so putrid last year. And that's been such a big focus of the way they build this defense. It's so much about front to back and that we can get pressure on your quarterback with four such that we don't have to blitz a ton. And that doesn't happen, I don't think, without him being back and him being the player that he's been. And number one, it's still the quarterback for me. Uh, I think Cousins, if he is able to play at a high level, again, if the offensive line in front of him is better, I think they have a chance to be a playoff team and you know, maybe make a little bit of a run. I think the NFC is pretty wide open, but uh, it, I think it just it has to happen with him. So I would put him number one. I was yeah, going to so. say,
1: leave, I was going to say, leave Kirk off your list. You coward, but I, knew Kirk.
2: <laughs> I didn't put the kicker on there. I suppose Excited. I could have, I could have, uh, I, I could have just said Kellen Mond one and just <laughs> <let> everybody's <laughs> podcast players on fire. I love it. Uh, chaos, anarchy.
0: Um, so Ben's list one through five is Kirk cousins, Daniel Hunter, Dalvin cook, Patrick Peterson and Christian Derisaw. Um, I'm going to go with somebody from my number five that none of you guys listed. And it is a member of the secondary, the only member of the secondary I have on my list because who's going to start if it's not him and it's Harrison Smith. I think we saw last year how a great safety tandem can be marginalized because of issues elsewhere. We saw that it didn't mean a whole lot for them. We saw that Anthony Harris looked lost out there at times. So did Harrison Smith at times because the quarter is not doing what they're supposed to do. And so his job's thrown off. There's just a lot that goes in tandem on defense and especially in the secondary. But I think when I looked at this list and most important Vikings, I wanted to put together one that kind of reflected Like what, what are you losing in, in terms of your drop-off level? Right? Like Mike talked about in terms of where are you going to, and right now at safety it's Cameron Bynum, a rookie it's Josh Metellus. It's miles Dorn. It's guys who have never taken an NFL snap on defense for the most part. Um, They've cross-trained some guys to play safety, whether it's Chris Boyd. I think Harrison Hand's gotten some reps there, but you don't want to rely on that. I still think at corner, like you guys mentioned, they brought in enough bodies, whether it's Breland, Alexander, Dantzler's still here. Then you've got Boyd and Hand coming off the bench. I do think they've got enough guys to kind of make up for it and piece it together. At safety, I really wonder where they go when they lose their longest, if they lose their longest tenured player on the back end and the guy who really helps line everybody else up in front of them as well. Um, So number five for me is Harrison Smith. Number four, Kirk cousins for obvious reasons. Number three, Christian Derrissaw for all the reasons Ben mentioned, I've got him above the quarterback just because if he has a great rookie year and not only does well in 2021, that means a whole lot for the future. And I'm I'm kind of bending the rules here by saying it it reflects on a long-term plan on the offensive line. But if you find out, Hey, We've got O'Neal, we've got Derrissaw, and we're good for a long time. That's going to mean a lot to this team moving forward. And Kirk, we've seen Kirk go through these NFC Player of the Month stretches. We've seen him do this. Yeah, we've seen him do this, and it still doesn't answer anything because you still get to January and you go, okay, what's going to happen? Is he going to be that guy or is he going to be the other guy? And so to me, Kirk's play, while important and while the drop-off to Kellen Mond would be a lot, Um, I just, I don't know how much it's going to tell us about the direction of this team moving forward or even into the playoffs. Number two, Dalvin cook, obvious reasons. Dalvin cook is one of the few running backs, the exemption to the rule, excuse me, exception. Uh, exception, whatever, God dang, the exception to the rule pre (laughs) pre preseason form, the exception to the rule that running backs don't change games. I think this guy is, as we've seen, I mean, when, when he's in there, Kirk cousins is a different player. The offensive linemen are different players. Everybody is better because of Dalvin Cook. And the number one. sign Adrian to back him up, by the way. Adrian,
2: wow. Adrian's mm. been on Twitter a lot, trying to campaign for a job.
0: See, back I, around. I, I could see him going to, like, the Rams, who just lost yeah. Cam Akers. You know, I could see him going to a team that I just – I think they like Alexander Madison enough. I think they like – yeah. The depth at running back that the Vikings have, I just I don't see a reunion there making. No, a lot of I don't sense. either. Could I, we?
1: But then we could rewrite the stories about how he's finally going to catch more balls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't favorite. see
2: it either. I think he'll he'll sign his like one day contract to yeah. retire a Viking whenever that happens. But right. no, yeah. I don't see it happening before that. I just thought I'd right. throw it out there.
0: It'd be interesting, that's for sure. And number one to me is Daniil Hunter, um, because what we saw the, the whole case to be stated is the 2020 Vikings film because we see what that pass rush looks like without him. We see what the run defense looks like without him. Uh, it's just horrendous. And this guy is a defensive player of the year candidate when he's healthy, and he just he changes games, just like Dalvin Cook does. So, um, yeah, that's my one through five. Hunter, Cook, Darisaw, Cousins, and Harrison Smith. So we had a lot of overlap, I should say, on our lists. So not too many surprises there. But I am surprised still that Mike did not have an offensive lineman.
1: His. No, nobody mentioned a linebacker or a wide receiver i thought that was interesting i thought maybe justin jefferson would crack one of your lists but not about him maybe that speaks to kind of the depth and the role i guess not depth maybe but you know that they have steel and still and just how ultimately they're not a pass first team they still want to be a run first team and they have other weapons there
0: yeah i think my next two out would have been kendrick's and jefferson yeah, just just because that. of the kind of, yeah, the, the way that they can just kind of open up games and or shut them down, in Kendricks' case, with the way that they play. Um, all right, guys, let's quickly talk about um, Aaron Rodgers before we get to some Twitter questions here. And I don't know if we had any Twitter questions that overlapped with this.
2: I got to look through the mailbag here, but I don't – There's one about the hierarchy of the NFC.
0: Let's – all right. Let, yeah. Good. Yeah. Let's do that. Then Let's start with Twitter questions and we'll just kind of open it up into a Rogers conversation too. But Nick asks, who do you, (laughs) Nick says, who do you all see at the top of the NFC outside of the Buccaneers? I don't see a clear hierarchy given the Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, no Drew Brees anymore in New Orleans, just all the quarterback changes that are potentially going on in the conference. Um, Mike, what do you think? Who, Who do you see at the top of the NFC right now?
1: yeah it's interesting it does feel kind of wide open i mean you don't want to you know you would (laughs) bet against tom brady at your own peril i mean he keeps getting a year older every every year you're like oh he's going to be too old one of these years oh he's losing it he's lost it and then he wins another super bowl and they keep you know building around him they've got a really good defense they've got plenty of pieces in place Pieces are in place um out there in tampa bay so you know until proven otherwise I'm I'm not as much of a Matthew Stafford fan as Andrew is, but you know the I will say that that's looking pretty formidable there. If he's the quarterback they think he is in that system, that makes the Rams awfully interesting as well. Um, you know, and it but the again like you said that the big question is Green Bay. Like I think if Aaron Rodgers comes back somehow and just wants to light the world on fire and is just kind of on this you know, kind of plays like he did last year where he was angry and, and they're still a really good team. I mean, they, I think that would, I think green Bay would kind of be the favorite at that point, just based on how well Rogers played last year. There's such a, like, there's such a 13 and three to seven and nine kind of gap between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan love. There just is, I, I, I don't, I'm saying Jordan, I'm not saying Jordan love is bad. I'm just saying, that's how good Aaron Rodgers is until if he's not the guy, that's how big the drop-off could be.
2: Yeah. It, it's interesting. I, I think the team I would throw in there in addition to the, well, two at Seattle, I think is still going to be a factor. If Russell Wilson has come back and things are copacetic now between him and the Seahawks, at least for a year. I mean, I, I think he's not been very good in the playoffs the last few years, but I think there's still a factor with him and Metcalf. Um, the other team that's sort of interesting to me is Washington. They were, I, I think, that they came on at the end of last season. You know, they won the division at seven and nine, and we all kind of joked about that. But you know, gave the the Bucks a run in that playoff game. And I think if they figure some things out offensively, especially, they could be. They're probably going to make a run, but is sneaky good. I think is is probably in play. Uh, I think they could certainly win that division the, the way it's set up. So, um, yeah, it, it is really interesting though because a lot of these teams that you've kind of penciled in every year based on the quarterbacks, certainly New Orleans no longer has that and if the Packers don't for the first time in 30 years, um, that changes an awful lot. So, I mean, is San Francisco going to be back? Are they I think they'll be better, but is it Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it Trey Lance? Um, Arizona, I think it's a little hard to take completely seriously. Um, I would still, yeah, I'd put Tampa Bay at the top of it. And then uh, after that, uh, who, who's, who's bringing a quarterback to the party? I think it's yeah. the question.
0: What's, what's interesting is that every division feels wide open and for, different, for different reasons, right? Because in, in the NFC North, it comes down to the quarterback situations and everybody's going to say, if Rodgers leaves, who is the best quarterback in the NFC North? Is it Kirk Cousins? And, and that's, that's, going, that's going to draw different reactions across the board. But if the Vikings find themselves with the best quarterback situation and Justin Fields isn't this Justin Herbert-style phenom right out of the gate, then you've got a situation where the Vikings can make a run, set themselves comfortably up for the playoffs thanks to an NFC North potential victory. And then the other divisions – the West is wide open to me because of how difficult it is between the Rams, the Seahawks, obviously the 49ers and the Cardinals. And then you look at the South with, with Matt Ryan being a year older and the Falcons not changing much. Uh, even if Kyle Pitts is otherworldly, um, they've always had a good passing game. That's not going to change much in terms of what the Falcons did with shipping out Julio Jones, the breeze situation, moving to James Winston potentially doesn't do a whole lot for you. And then the bucks sit atop that division and then the East with the Cowboys and in, in Washington being those two teams that must, in my mind, are the front runners to contend there, it really feels wide open. And, yeah. and I think the team that we might be overlooking, and I've always been a Kyle Shanahan Stan, as they say, <laughs> I think San Francisco and Trey Lance is the truth. It's just a matter of like, how quickly does that come together? And do they stay healthy? And does that defense, with Abosa and with the other guys they have in that front seven, does it look the same as it did when they were in the Super Bowl not that long ago?
2: Um, back-friendly scheme it might be something you can reduce that learning curve.
0: Yeah, and I think the Rams too with Matthew Stafford, even without Cam Akers, which is just a huge blow to that offense. But I think Stafford is going to be finally in a place where the coaching staff is working with him and not against him in terms of like because. But Detroit, it was just drop back 50 times and win us a game. And that that we saw that in 2018 with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. And it, it doesn't work out very well unless you've got this just ridiculous RPO scheme with a great O-line like Philadelphia did in 2017. So I, I just think it's wide open. And that's what's very interesting. And with Rodgers – how different is the Vikings' outlook if he doesn't show up, Ben? If he says I retire, I'm whatever. It's it, it's beyond if I'm going to report to training camp. I'm not showing up to anything for you guys. How different is the Vikings' outlook?
2: It's a lot different, and I will tell you this: they are watching that closely. Yeah. And that's probably not a terribly earth-shattering revelation. But you know, you you will hear teams say, oh, "We just got to worry about ourselves." Don't buy that. They they are watching very closely to see if he shows up because they know exactly how much that changes things. When uh, the last time we saw them win the division, they didn't play him all year. I mean, they, they Anthony Barr had the TKO in uh, in round one at US Bank Stadium, and they didn't see him the rest of the year. So, and that team got hot and and had a lot of things go right, but not playing Aaron Rodgers, who was playing pretty well that year when he came in there, um, yeah, made the, things a lot easier.
1: The Vikings were three and two coming into that game and green Bay was four and one. Maybe
2: you were, the Vikings had just, they had lost to Detroit in their previous home game. They scored seven points. Rogers Dalvin had cook some, got hurt. Yep. They had Dalvin cook got hurt. And then they, they went down to Chicago on Monday night in that game where they put Bradford back out there and he looked so bad that they had to bring Eric Sugarman out the next day and one of the few times he's talked to reporters in my time on the beat to kind of say, here was our process of why we put Sam Bradford out there. Keenum came in and bailed them out. I think Rogers had had some like who Houdini thing down at Dallas. Um, so yeah, the Packers were coming in rolling and then bar knocked him out and that was everything flipped. So yes, I, I think if he's not there, it changes an awful lot. And I'll say this too, that if I'm a team that feels like it has a, a puncher's chance, so to speak, or as uh, as Dan Barrero likes to say, a chip share and a chance, uh, I'd much rather be in the NFC than the AFC. I, I think the AFC is a lot more top heavy. Yeah. It'll look quite,
0: quite different. Um, all right. Bo asks, has there been much noise around the future plans for Harrison Smith? And he mentions that the Vikings tend to have extensions or contracts done around this time of showing up to camp. We should also mention Brian O'Neill is due for an extension and he's widely expected to get the next big deal from Minnesota in terms of in-house extensions. But what do we know about Harrison Smith in terms of his contract As Ben, you mentioned one year deal. He's another guy who's entering that final year of his contract.
2: Yeah, he is. I, I think they're working on it from, from my sense of things. Um, where that goes, I think it's interesting to see. Brian O'Neill to me is a little bit more of a an obvious, okay, he's ready for a new deal after his rookie, rookie contract. He's probably earned it. I mean, the market maybe changes a little bit now uh, with some of these deals we've just seen with right tackles. I mean, it's gonna be expensive, but it's not as difficult of a projection to make as maybe Harrison Smith is at age 32. Um, i i think they will get something done with harrison smith i don't think it'll be a five-year deal it's probably two or three and it's it's probably a little bit of guaranteed money and you can get out of it after a year or two i mean the, the kyle rudolph type thing is probably a decent projection for what that looks like given the fact it's the same agent same stage of your career smith obviously is more accomplished as a player than rudolph is but it's you're not paying for what he's done. You're paying for what you expect to get out of him in the future. And he still has some leverage there, I think, in the sense that, as Andrew mentioned, they don't have a ton of depth at that spot. But he didn't have his best year last year. And some of the projection that I mean there is that you have to figure out how much of that was the fact that he was playing behind corners that didn't know what they were doing and how much of it is any kind of physical decline. I I think that's what they have to figure out. I, I do think they'll get something done. But uh, the Brian O'Neill one it, to me is a little I, I would be very surprised if Brian O'Neill is not uh, trotted out at an introductory beginning of training camp press conference next week as the see we did it our our draft and develop plan works they like to do those at the beginning of training camp I would bet very strongly that O'Neill is this year's poster child for them.
0: Yeah, Mike, Harrison Smith. I mean, does, is, in terms of the Vikings' longest tenured player, they are showing that they're willing to move on from guys. But my guess would be that Harrison Smith's not one of those guys that they try to move on from a year early as opposed to a year late.
1: They don't seem to have a succession plan, like yeah. you said. So that would tell you that if, you know, if they've what they've learned from, you know, the past year or two with their secondary is that you don't want to get over reliant on young players. It would seem like an extension is, is the right move. Otherwise you're going to go into next season. You know, if you decide to move on from him, you're either going to be trusting a rookie that you draft relatively high, or you're going to be you know, trying to fill a a gap with a, you know, with a a safety from outside the organization. That just doesn't seem like either one of those routes. It feels like he's got two to three, you know, even if we're on, if we, even if we're talking about a decline, you know, just because of age, you're still going to have two or three good years of Harrison Smith if you if if he wants it and you want it.
0: All right, let's do one more question here. Ed asks: Should the fan base have optimism the Vikings will play in a Super Bowl for the first time in 45 years, or should we brace for another season of mediocrity? Mike, what do you think?
1: I think there's a, somewhere in between there is possible. I don't think it's Super Bowl. The word
2: mediocrity or... is doing a lot of work there.
1: Yeah, I don't feel like you. I don't think feel like the options are eight and eight or you know super bowl but I, I guess that you know that is how the fan base sometimes looks at it that anything short of that is unacceptable i i, I kind of feel like again we, we keep going but a lot of it depends on aaron Rodgers. it really does like if aaron Rodgers is not in the division anymore let's say he just is he just says nope i'm not doing it you guys messed it up i don't want to play here anymore either trade me or i'm retiring um, and Denver has a lot of cap space, by the way. Um, if, uh, if something happens and Denver doesn't have a quarterback either, just pointing that out. Um, you know, if, if something happens where he's gone, that opens it wide open, then I would say, yeah, I, I don't think they're the favorite, but I'd put them in the, the kind of three to five team mix. That wouldn't shock me. If green Bay is still being quarterbacked by Aaron Rodgers, I don't think you, I don't think you win this division. And if you don't win the division, it's awfully tough to get to the super bowl.
2: Ben? A little bit of a, when you said you guys messed it up, a little bit of like a Cartman vibe there. You
1: <laughs> like guys mess it up and
2: screw you guys and go home.
1: <laughs> Which could be what he says. It might be. It might be. It kind of seems like that's his attitude.
2: Is my Cartman as good as my Fav? Well, maybe. Right, maybe. So, Ben, is it Super Bowl or bust? Um no, I don't think it's Super Bowl or bust. I I don't think it'll be Super Bowl or bust for the way that they think about it. I think it's playoffs or bust in terms of whether this decision-making group is back um or at least all of it is back. I think they need to get to the playoffs and probably show that they're somewhat serious when they get there. Um which I I tend to think they will. It's it's kind of been on that every other year thing and the schedule is tough, yes, but a lot of times when a schedule looks tough at this stage of things, it means that you're facing a lot of teams that in the up and down NFL are primed to drop off. Um, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. Um, I, I think there'll be teams in the NFC that are better than them in January, but I do think it's a team that is certainly capable of going to the playoffs, uh, whether that's considered mediocrity, I can see where that would be. A definition or a, 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 a version of that, given the fact that, as he mentions, it's been 45 years. I was just thinking about this because uh, my brain does weird things. But um, if they don't make it to a Super Bowl before the 39th president passes away, there will have been no living person who won a presidential election in a Uh, was either the president or president-elect at a time where the Vikings had made it to the Super Bowl? Jimmy Carter was the president-elect the last time the Vikings played in one. So I was
1: two months old the last time they played in one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's never happened in my lifetime, obviously. So, um, yeah, it's, um, if you've been waiting that long, I, I think there's certainly this thing of (laughs) let's get there, especially if, If Aaron Rodgers is not out there, I I don't think it's a Super Bowl team. I also wouldn't say it's Super Bowl or bust for this group getting another shot at it.
0: It's all relative, like things often are with the Vikings, and their successes or failures in a given season. All right, guys, thanks so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. Please check out all of our work at starchbeam.com and brace for more podcasts coming in training camp. Maybe you should get off the podcast.